0: With Evgenia Kovda and Eileen Jones and this week we are talking about um, the Showtime docuseries called The Reagans. Obviously, it's on the Ron and Nancy horror show. Um, and it, it, the reason we're slotting this in kind of suddenly, it wasn't really Planned is because um, I simply got offered a screener of the series and uh, an extended interview with the director Matt um, Turnauer, who also did um, *Where Is My Roy Cohn* in Studio 54. He's done a number of documentaries, and so we had such an extended conversation. It seemed worthwhile to talk about the series, which you know is also has has potentially depending on we'll get into like depending on how you're situated politically historically et cetera, can have a really big impact or a lesser impact and we'll and we'll get into we'll get into the nature of that um with the series
1: yeah i mean i, I was definitely surprised i didn't know what to expect and mm-hmm. I, I think i um i'm glad i didn't you know read about it before actually watching that first episode mm-hmm. that's available now uh, uh on show yeah the only
0: thing i think that's screened so far is the first one and then the second one's coming up tomorrow and it's running every sunday for four weeks it's a four part um series yeah
1: so i feel like it's almost interesting not to well people who are listening <laughs> there will be, yeah we'll ruin prepare. it for you no. <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of ruining, not in terms of spoilers but just like what to expect i i didn't expect anything and the moment i tuned in i was surprised i'm thinking wait they show a guy at this point and he's like looks middle-aged i'm like oh wait there's the last name break and so it seems like oh, it's their son and then he <laughs> he sounds pretty kind of both somewhat bitter and, and critical mm-hmm. <laughs> right and and it is already surprising even to begin with i'm like wait so his son is not gonna do some sort of praising 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 mm-hmm. and it's um yeah and it's surprising even even like from the start because um, one of the um, it's not all the way through, but mm-hmm. the sound slightly narrates their story through both like interview and kind of like is sometimes uses.
0: Yes, he gave a very yeah. The director told me he he did an eight hour interview. That's extraordinarily oh, that's, that's, long.
1: Because I wonder, <laughs> yeah. the interview is used as a voiceover sometimes to narrate the story, just like mm-hmm. cool, from the video. And, yeah, and he, like, yeah,
0: exactly. And he has a lot of on ca- camera stuff too throughout really? the entire. So yeah, he really devotes time. And it, to me, I, I had the opposite. I mean, to me, it seemed very. I had remembered, um, you know, the Reagan kids, Patty. Mm-hmm. She, took, she took her mother's maiden name, Patty Davis, um, and Ron and Ron Jr. Uh, mm-hmm. Being very, very outspoken in a way that was embarrassing to to the parents. Um, and they both became liberal Democrats. They both rejected their parents' politics. The family was notably dysfunctional, nothing like the kind of 1950s <laughs> perfect nuclear family image that the Reagans were always trying for, nothing like that. And and they used to be very outspoken during and immediately after the presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I expected Ron Jr. to be... Um, really harsh and critical and to me seem kind of mellow <laughs> but it, that's what I mean by it all depends on where you're what you remember oh. of the Reagan years if you were around which I was what if
1: you remember nothing
0: <laughs> <laughs> or, or if you remember nothing or if you feel well versed in it or if you really don't it, it's going to be a radically different show depending on where you stand, and politically where you stand as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's probably best for, for you, Evgeny, if you don't remember all the, if you don't remember a lot of it, it's going to really be an eye-opener, I think.
1: Yeah, no, but it's, first of all, I wasn't,
0: <laughs> well, it's not a phone even born. <laughs> I think it, no, I wasn't
1: I was around for this, right. and then, yeah, <laughs> and then I guess, yeah, uh, well, all I kind of found, started finding out about the Reagans, I think. Ultimately through reading about it. it's mm-hmm. weird roundabout ways. I don't know if anyone is finding that information interesting for me as a foreigner. I love Blue Velvet. And uh, <laughs> I think I started reading it. That's from way, way years back before mm-hmm. I even probably know about like whatever politics or significance of that. Uh-huh. And it seemed like some of the reviews or something would say that Lynch is like not secretly, but sort of doing some sort of analysis of the Reagan era. uh uh-huh. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Oh,
0: very much. It was talked about at the time, because he clearly was kind of doing a bizarro meld of the 1950s mm-hmm. sensibility and the 1980s mm-hmm. in a way that couldn't help but make you feel totally critical of your own era. Yeah. That's exactly how I recall Blue Velvet exactly. when I and saw it. and
1: that's how I found yeah. out. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, what's the Blue Velvet, maybe like 80, what's something, 85, 86? No. Yeah, mid, like, I should know yeah, this, so and, and like I can't like remember. The, middle of the Reagan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that's, a yeah. Weird, that's actually a weird start, into <laughs> the Reagan. Yeah through yes. blue velvet what the hell well, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, so that's how i even started learning i was thinking wait what is this what's say what's the reagan again what's the idea of reagan i knew obviously it's just the uh-huh. name of the person and i started looking into it but yeah but after this show is pretty informative actually to sort of <laughs> and and it and yeah and it makes you think lynch was pretty accurate <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and just to describe the opening of Blue Velvet, if you don't remember, it's it's you know these dreamy, beautiful panning by a white picket fence, a beautiful blue sky, and red roses—so red, white, and blue—and it's all like hometown firemen waving in slow mo, and there's a guy out on his perfect suburban lawn watering the lawn, and you're going, "What is this?" It's 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 like right if it if a if a '50s movie would be in ultra Technicolor, that's what it looks like, and then (laughs) and then the guy watering his lawn has a heart attack. and, and his little dog starts attacking the hose in a nightmarish way, and you pan down to underneath the perfect, the per- picture perfect lawn, and it's nothing but black beetles churning in this nightmarish way, up right underneath the surface. And that's a perfect. <laughs> in fact, I wish the documentary could have opened with that because that's really what what it's trying to do. It's trying. Yeah,
1: to... exactly. Yeah, I, I didn't even think. Now only now talking to you, I remembered that. Yeah, the, the opening stays with you <clears throat> for Blue Velvet, but could yeah. it, it's funny they should. Would, the director, some they should have almost um, in the style of, I guess it would be more Michael Moore or something, added, you know, um, what to call added in, like, I don't know, 10 seconds from Blue Velvet <laughs> at some point, because very uh, fitting.
0: Yeah, and I did ask him about his stylistic choice to be very, very, I guess you could call it traditional, conventional, mainstream in his documentary approach. Mm-hmm. You know, he he doesn't do any Michael Moore or Errol Morris or other, you know. Other more overtly stylized um, um, or daring documentary film directors. He does this very traditional talking heads and archival footage, and you know all the things that you expect on a on a kind of mainstream. Um, televised documentary. And he even had told me, he, he that's totally his style. He really hates to do what he calls the haranguing, something like the haranguing version of documentaries. It just isn't for him. And he really reveres these old televised documentaries, these CBS um, documentaries from roughly the 60s to the 80s that he feels are, are very, very elegant and done in that kind of invisible style where you, where you efface, um, you know, the, the, the person making, the creator, the apparatus of how it was made. You really try mm-hmm. to make it kind of flow out um, mm-hmm. in a way that allows the, the, the audience to kind of sink into it. He also told me that, that he didn't want to be overt about certain main points he was making. Mm-hmm. He wants the audience to engage and connect the dots. And one of the main things, perhaps the mm-hmm. main thing he's trying to do is draw a direct line from Ronald Reagan to Donald Trump.
1: Successfully, so I from. Which I agree. But I got a hunch.
0: <laughs> but he claims that there are a number of reviewers. I, I should have hunted the down. I meant to, and I ran out of time. That that didn't seem to get it. Yeah. <laughs> that that seemed to be saying, well, there's no. So what? This is all old hat. It's most of this is well known, and it doesn't. He's not showing how this matters now. And I'm like, what? Because he makes very clear, it seems yeah. to me, that there's so many ways that Reagan opens the door for Trump by just he's his practices his political practices are Trump's practices and that 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 is the what the idea that is a hard an impossible one to take for people who worship Ronald Reagan and hate Trump so as as, as the director says it's the never Trump crowd that worships Ronald Reagan who can't accept that Reagan was doing Trump before Trump did Trump, and they just refused well, to look at it.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, even from outside, I'm, I'm not, again, a big political bab, just aesthetically speaking, you know, watching both uh, Trump for the last three years and, uh, you know, knowing enough about Re- Reagan and also the show kind of helps uh, mm-hmm. to get some insight into him. Uh, the big difference, though, clearly Trump is like more of a, Obviously, he has speechwriters and all that, but he's not like a cue card guy, not an actor. He, he's he's sort of his own actor and his own a bit of a path. Yeah, he's a kind.
0: Obviously, he, he was just, a TV actor, but he's yeah, much yeah. less clearly. He's not trying to be a smooth actor, which Reagan was trying to be mm-hmm. smooth and kind yeah. of fatherly and warm and. Um, and and of course, that's not at all what Trump is doing. But the same yeah, idea. No, in terms
1: of the people behind, it was from the first episode. Just you know, I I, I agree, and especially mm-hmm. since it was the director's intention. And mm-hmm. I didn't watch more than the first episode, but um, I, I I can see the I see the connection. But the biggest thing you get from the first episode, you kind of surprised how much of just the acting or ex actor he was rather than a president. Right. You know, reading as as they show sort of, sort of using cue cards to deliver mm-hmm. uh, I don't know to, do some, to deliver his speeches and basically not actually necessarily being a very Political person, you know. So, I mean, I, I, obviously, there's some Trump parallel, but he's a way more, uh, again, I actually have even a note, way more a lynching character in some ways, uh, even though Trump is also, but Reagan is really a lynching character. I don't know if you remember from the first episode, it really stuck with me. They uh, show for a little bit, he's clearly still alive. This, um, I guess, uh, Stu Spencer. He was a um, uh, one of the, um, some of the chief campaign strategists of Ronald Reagan back in the mm-hmm. day. He yeah, yeah. And he was telling the story how they even discovered him and decided to back him up uh, back uh, when he was running for governor uh-huh. or when they encouraged to run him for governor. And it was really kind of told in this very Mulholland Drive kind of way. Mm -hmm. This is the guy. This is the guy. And he he said that, and it seems that the rich guys in the suits having lunch decided this is the guy, started writing checks for millions of dollars. Yeah, and they say they they raised the money
0: over lunch. Of oh lunch. Yeah, was because there was like lunch. Today. Yeah, like ten California tycoons.
1: Yeah, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. It, I mean, sorry for my too simplistic analogy, I always talk about Lynch, but in this case, it's sort of fitting, isn't it? Kind of like Mulholland Drive. This is the girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, yeah. This is the guy. So in some ways, it's even more. <laughs> know, there's something really sinister in terms yeah. of puppeteering, rather than <laughs> Trump, which is a sinister both puppet and his own kind of. Puppet master. It's just we, we, uh, it's a bit more, almost I guess more, postmodern more in the way Trump operates it, from even aesthetic point of view, right? A bit more right. independent, kind of <laughs> independently crazy.
0: Yeah, you yeah, know, at least Trump could claim. To have you know made made his money quote unquote himself as if he didn't well, get yeah. you know millions from his dad <laughs> but you know his big claim that is part of what makes him popular is that he could claim to be an outs- an outsider billionaire figure um, who wasn't beholden to anyone else but yeah it's one of the big reveals of the show how even Ron Jr says the Reagans themselves were never wealthy not particularly. They were, of course, well off, but they weren't super wealthy. But they didn't need to be because they were so assiduously backed by the ultra wealthy. So, like Nancy Reagan's best friend is Betsy Bloomingdale, and they got pledges to like early on when they're going into politics. And, and Nancy goes weeping to her friends saying, "We can't afford to run in the style that you guys would want us to run." And they're like, "Don't worry about it." So, in other words, they're There's just writing checks. I think <laughs> an like ocean this. of money is, <laughs> is behind them all along from yeah. other people. From the rich. So their politics make a lot make pretty direct sense in that way, too. (laughs) You know, the rich want Reagan because in California you know, the Californians, this is where it all starts. And episode two, by the way, is dedicated to, you know, a large chunk of it is 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 his Governor of California years, which are which which comprise the lesser known Reagan for most people in America, even those who feel like they're really well versed in Reagan through his presidency. They don't know they don't know that the horror show starts Really, e- much earlier, and is is really aggressive and terrible in California. And Matt Matt Turnauer said, if if I had to have I had been told I had to cut everything down to one hour, I mm-hmm. would have chosen the episode two because it's the least known of his his. You know, there's a little bit of the California years that you saw in the first one, but he really dedicates um, a lot of the time to the. It's the least known, and it's the most aggressive look at Reagan's kind of naked. Politics, mm-hmm. um, which are horrifying. I mean, most. A lot of people, I don't think, remember, you know, rig calling out the National Guard on st- peaceful student protesters who are trying to protect um, um, a place called People's Park from being from developers. Um, his over-escalation, his overreaction to them, um, you know, again meant to resonate with, you know, what goes on now is to break to break these traitors as he regarded anyone, anyone who who, who stepped one toe out of line. His horrifying racist politics, which continue, but they're really, really naked in California. He uses the 1965 Watts riots in Los Angeles, or Watts uprising is a better way, which of course starts with a traffic stop. Just like just like now, a black man is pulled over from supposedly driving recklessly, and it escalates into a fight, he's treated brutally, and then you've got five days of... of You know the people fighting back. Um, He uses the white terror of of integration and new newly proposed like fair housing laws to to win to basically win the governor's office from you know a beloved two term progressive Democrat Pat Brown Mm -hmm. by saying things like our city streets are becoming jungle paths at night. This is like vintage racist dog whistle stuff and he and he uses it throughout the campaign and it's a big way of how institutional racism helps get him where he's going i mean
1: scaring scaring people scaring people with the image
0: of you know the terror of 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 the blacks are coming for you and are going to take over your neighborhoods he literally argued in favor of the right to discriminate like if you didn't if you didn't want to rent your house to someone like you should have the right to discriminate Mm-hmm. It, you know so he's he's very much embedded in a volatile system and plays the the worst angles in order to become governor mm-hmm. and you know the, of course the first episode that you saw is all about contextualizing as you put po- yeah. as you pointed out you know, how Hollywood shapes him and how being how he always identifies. Somebody asks yeah. him something like, do you consider yourself a politician? And he says, no, an ex actor. And <laughs> and, the, and the line is something like, you know, I don't see how anyone could be a good president who isn't a good actor is how is how is the frame quote that Tiernauer uses both at the very beginning of the series and at the end. And again, I think would be political sophisticates tend to think, Well, who doesn't think anymore that images are constructed and that that the politicians are performing and everything? And, you know, I would say, I don't know, watch the debates with most Americans, (laughs) watch presidential debates and see them like act as if they're regard if they're watching unvarnished reality and really getting to know people. And I think that Tiernauer is really he even said to me something like, you know, I want to grab people and shake them by the lapels and say you're not looking at reality. It's all canned. And it's the most canned with Reagan who lived a canned life. He invented a fantasy persona for himself and lived it. And mm-hmm. so did Nancy Reagan. They both had miserable childhoods. Um, Reagan was came from an impoverished working class family, a father who was an alcoholic. Um, he couldn't cope with his past. Um, and he invented a heroic persona for himself that he then could play in Hollywood. And he played the rest of his life. <laughs> and it's really chilling. It's a chilling pathology because Nancy Reagan does the same thing. She invents a super happy loving family life for herself that she actually didn't have <laughs> when she was young. You know, her mother was an actress who abandoned, basically left her with relatives and went off for years. And, mm-hmm. you know, so there's all these things that they couldn't cope with and they invented a kind of, if you will, a Lynchian fifties <laughs> fantasy.
1: You know, I'm curious uh, because you lived through that and you remember some of it as a, mm-hmm. like a young girl, very young woman. Uh, how, how did it feel in terms of obviously it wasn't, You probably didn't Mm -hmm. have all the insight you have now. Right. Not just because of documentary, just living through it. How did Mm -hmm. it feel like to have him kind of, I don't know, on the horizon? Um, I guess when he was governor, you were not still in California, and then you moved. Yeah, I was not. Yeah, you came later. But when he was president, you definitely remember how, what was like the, um, you know, I can't even imagine. So what was the feeling?
0: It was so bizarre because it was so overwhelming he wins by such a landslide and again, and again turnow is trying to make a comparison to trump because he he claims most people don't even remember that that reagan was a divisive figure and mm-hmm. nobody thought he was going to win by the margins he won by it was just astronomical so he's trying to compare it to the 2016 trump thing mm-hmm. even though it wasn't an astronomical win it was all the pundits were astonished yeah. um and it was it was it was like that. He won by such a huge margin that you suddenly were like, oh, my God, I'm in a total – I feel like I'm in a totally different America than I thought – than I was the day before.
1: That's how it felt even back then. Oh, yeah. It was remember. so dramatic.
0: And Reagan was just suddenly everywhere and the embrace of him was so huge and overt that you were just like – you immediately felt that you were on the outs from your culture immediately if you, if you had been raised – because I was raised in a kind of traditional democratic – family, mm-hmm. mostly. So it was just shocking <laughs> to suddenly be like, everything seemed to have turned on Of course, it didn't turn on a dime, but it seemed to have turned on a dime. And again, I, I, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't politically savvy. He was yeah. elected president the year I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. You know, I loosely knew some things, but I really hadn't been following his California career at all. I knew nothing. Yeah. So he seemed to come out of nowhere. And, and the and the take on him and, and Matt Turnauer echoed this. He said when when it happened, when he was growing up, he also felt this sense of Astonishment because everyone's attitude that he knew was, how could this washed up, mediocre ex-actor be president? It can't possibly happen. So that old image of him... It was still held, and everyone was like, "What?" <laughs> um, I didn't. I didn't quite immediately feel the sense of doom. I felt the sense of immediate alienation of like, "Where? Where am I? And what's happening?" But it 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 intensified so rapidly, and the hits were so many. There were so many god awful things that happened in Reagan's presidency, and and they and they're at least in broad strokes covered relentlessly throughout. So it was really painful to watch because it's just one thing after another. I mean, breaking the air traffic controller strike, which no one thought yeah. was possible. How can you how can you break the strike of absolutely essential workers, air traffic controllers? He does it. And of course, that's one of the main things that cripples the unions from then on. You know, he terrorizes anyone from striking. You're just going to lose your job. You're going to be ruined. Um he what what the AIDS crisis that he just refuses to acknowledge there's a nightmare press conference with I forget who his main his main press guy was just making joke after joke as a reporter is saying what about this many people have died this is a huge epidemic you're doing nothing and just making vicious homophobic jokes throughout openly just like what if you got this Frank or whatever the guy's name was because I don't have this you know it was completely considered a quote-unquote gay disease and And therefore, you could safely ignore it (laughs) in a way that is just so shocking to watch now. You can't believe it. And just for almost his entire presidency, he never dealt with it. He just refused to deal with it. So people just died. (laughs) Just droves. And of course, there's Dr. Fauci there. Our very own Dr. Fauci, who's tried to reason with Trump about covid, was trying to reason as a young man with Reagan about AIDS. And the same kind of getting nowhere. Total denial. Total fantasy land denial. Um so many you just you just go down a list of the of the very worst of Reagan and so that that kind of feeling like you were just being beaten and pummeled was so extraordinary and for 8 years and he was so popular you couldn't have rational conversations with people even people on the left got converted to Reagan you Just know.
1: because of the sort of outwardly, you know, the picture, the charm, that whole I mean, they, they morning in America,
0: false sense of, you know, we had been in a bad recession under Carter, and there had been, you know, you know, the the gasoline shortages, there were all these things, and people mm-hmm. were shaken. So to have this ultra confident. Figures suddenly show up and very patrician and they're holding, you know, these all these, you know, fabulous black tie events because Carter had been a very down home. You know, he walked. One of the
1: Carter things, sorry to interrupt, that was kind of completely (laughs) lost again in the public appeal Mm -hmm. because there was an American hostage crisis uh, in Iran. And I think uh, Khomeini didn't like resolve it until Carter's end of term.
0: Yes, right, and it and looked so, made it look like the threat of Reagan was yeah. what. Yes, oh, okay. it gave That's him a huge boost. I remember
1: like reading something. and I'm thinking, oh, and then it, it almost makes more sense. It's almost like having some kind of.
0: It was like a movie again. It was like the tough guy, the tough hero, rides into town, and suddenly <laughs> you see how craven these bullies are. <laughs> you know, it really was yeah. like a movie. This kind of bullshit. Oh no, everything seemed to carry him, and 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 he seemed to be the coddled child of fate for years, just like nothing touched him. Didn't matter. Mm-hmm you know, that whole, you know, that whole arms for hostages scandal with Oliver North and everything. What he finally says to the, po- for, he denies having any involvement, even though they've got proof. And there's like now talk of impeachment. And for the first time, his poll numbers are plummeting. This is in his second term. And finally, Ron Jr. says, I went to him and said, you know, you keep saying these things that literally don't jive with reality. You can't get away with this anymore. You have to admit you were involved. And Reagan says, in my heart, I felt I wasn't. I that I never did trade arms for others, but but it turns out the facts show that I did, and he, so he gets away with this that because in his heart he felt he hadn't done it, even though he really had done it. The next day he gives this ludicrous speech that's meaningless and insane. His his poll numbers leap up. He's he's super popular again. Everyone's fine. Like, but in his heart he felt he hadn't done it even though he really had done it <laughs> and that worked for him. He, it just, every, they called him the Teflon president, obviously for that reason, it just seemed like nothing stuck to him. You couldn't bring him down no matter what you did. And it felt like that. You'd talked, Oh, I remember meeting people. I moved to California and I'd be talking to people and they people just converted to him. Like it was a new religion. That they believed in trickle-down economics, which which is like, oh, grotes- music, right? oh yeah. my god, the most grotesque, ludicrous, the idea that you could balance the budget while in massively increasing military spending. Cutting taxes for the rich, that's he's the one who pioneered that. That suddenly yeah. the rich are not gonna have to pay anything. <laughs> you know, you're gonna do this all and somehow, somehow, you know, the money is gonna trickle down to the to the middle class and the poor and all this nonsense. Manifestly nonsense. And of course they talk mm-hmm. about it in the in the in the in the series as being like, you know, these things had it wasn't like we discredited it after Reagan. They had long these ideas had long been discredited. And he just he just blandly offered them again. And was regarded as some sort of genius. You know, I'm, I'm just curious about the
1: kind of this... Perspective on um, the Reagan. What's surprising to me, at least from the complete outsider, is that it seems like kind of it's bizarre to fully pin everything down on this so-called like person Ronald Reagan that did exist and then Mm -hmm. did stand for something supposedly. But it's interesting more like almost like this myth-making machine behind it and the money behind him and the powers Mm -hmm. that be that actually again this is the guy chose him and then successfully I guess even to their own surprise. Uh, made uh, his presidency a reality you know and, and, and all this and it's almost like and I know the first episode exactly focuses on this like weird Hollywood myth-making that becomes uh you know uh, you know almost like a weird presidential campaign which are almost yeah. inseparable from some kind of Hollywood movies and it all blends like the actor blends with the real person and the real person becomes a president so it's very warped very postmodern very kind of kind of interesting mm-hmm. but ultimately it just reminds me you remember recently i think I, I can't remember i think i sent it to, yeah not you yeah, i sent it to you. remember there was this interesting gabriel Byrne peace and guardian yeah um uh, uh, I think either he has a memoir published, but he was just generally talking about um, his take on Hollywood mm-hmm. and his time in Hollywood. And uh, he clearly, uh, which is, <laughs> I guess, uncommon, usually just for actors, uh, mm-hmm. to talk about that. He talks how we like observe the American Dream because they own the means of production in this very kind of Marxist mm-hmm. ways, and and it feels it's almost from outside the Reagan thing is more about that than like a specific person.
0: Well, no, but it's a it's a it's a combination because. Because Reagan takes on an almost magical quality among the Republicans and the corporate backers because all the things – you're right. They always wanted – they always would have loved to have their taxes cut to the bone, and they would always have loved to have politicians completely serving them. And sometimes they had, pretty close anyway. But but that Reagan was able to get away – there's a reason they still revere him, that he's 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 the ultimate figure because he was so so whatever it was about him, whatever combination of crazy qualities, was so perfect. And it's never been as perfect again. No one has ever been able <laughs> to sell this stuff and make people, you know, especially working class people work, you know, embrace something that's totally against their own interests with such fervor. As with Reagan. So it's kind of a combination. Of course, of course, he was put up literally by California millionaires as a, this figurehead who's gonna perf- perfectly represent their interests. He's a
1: very Jimmy Stewart character, but like all wrong and fake, but kinda of playing almost like, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I think they hinted at that. Yeah, they say that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was on purpose doing that. Be clearly an amalgam of this Gary Cooper, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart, and yes, he. Well, himself, and the implication yeah. is because
0: he, because he buries his own act, any actual self. If you can even believe, if you want to be pomo, there is no such thing. But if you want to get into the fasc, fascination of Reagan, there is such a thing because, in fact, he's a completely self-created mythical figure that he made up himself and then decided to live. Relentlessly and perfectly, it's so you can never before any politics. Yeah, he was already doing it. He was already doing it, and of course, being in Hollywood, it was helped a lot. Obviously, when that's the name, you know, that was going to help you be an actor. Mm-hmm. It's perfect, but yeah, then but then he could carry it on. It becomes the most chilling thing. I mean, there's a great anecdote, and I can't remember if it was in the episode you saw, where where Ron Jr. would talk about trying to reason with his father about reality itself, <laughs> like, like, and, and he would try to tell him things like horrible ways that 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 his father was causing huge sections of the population to suffer, and his father would say, "Well, I don't know about that," and make a gesture that was like pushing away, like his hands pushing away. <laughs> And as if to say, and I reject that reality, and then he'd always tell some anecdote that was about what he did know. What I know is, and then he'd tell some ridiculous anecdote that was supposed to supposed to show this wasn't true. And, you know, Reagan's anecdotes could literally be from scenes from his old movies that he had forgotten were from movies and, and that he took for, like, life. Like the famous example of Reagan never saw combat in World War II. He enlisted, yeah. but his eyesight was so bad. He was absolutely blind as a bat that they rejected him. So he could have played that. He could. That's a perfectly honorable reason. He tried to serve and they wouldn't take him. So of course he spends his whole his whole military quote unquote career is in Hollywood making training films and propaganda films for for the war effort. But later he can't live with the idea that Jimmy Stewart goes away and becomes a literal war hero, seeing a ton of combat, flying missions, you know, leading a squadron. He can't live with it. Um, so he makes up. He either takes stories from war movies that he played in and just uses them to describe his own combat experience, or he says things like, or he says things (laughs) like combat, it really changed me, it really changes a person, it really changed me, and you're like Reagan, you never saw, it doesn't matter, he would keep saying these things you couldn't bring him to the reality of you never were anywhere near shots were being fired ever, ever. Literally, according to Matt Tiernauer, if you go to the Presidential Library, Reagan's Library in Simi Valley, of course, where the Rodney trial, King trial happened, and you know he got he got uh, the the cops were acquitted. That's what it's Simi Valley is kind of known for. Um, there's his his uniform is on full display. And the implication is this is the uniform, a military uniform of a man who served. And Matt Terenauer said he was standing there with a friend and they were kind of mumbling, but back and forth mocking it, saying, well, notice how they're not making it clear that he never served. In the way this is implying he was' in, he never left Hollywood and and someone was next to them, a woman and turned and glared at them and said he did serve. he did serve and, they, and Matt Turner was just like it was a perfect representation of what he's trying to expose and get at that this reverence for Reagan and this belief in re- everything Reagan tried so hard to represent continues in that in spite of every all the facts. So in trying to compile – I think what he's after is trying to compile the facts into a tight enough series to have some sort of persuasive effect. I, of course, said to him, but who are you going to persuade here? The hard right that loves Reagan is never going to watch more than five minutes because you can tell five minutes in that the film is critical of Reagan, right? They're not going to watch. The hard left thinks it knows everything about Reagan, so they're not going to watch. So you're somewhere in the center. Right? I kept trying to get him to say, who exactly are you talking to? And he, of course, said, I'll. Uh. Why
1: would the left not not going to watch? Well, just because or, they sorry. think they
0: would already know all this. And, you know, I knew a lot of it. a mm-hmm. lot of people on the left who who especially want to argue Trump isn't. Isn't this standalone anomalous monster? Yeah, of course. We've had lots of monsters before who, of course, are all getting whitewashed. And, you know, George W. Bush is now regarded as a cute figure and harmless and, you know, kind of a decent guy. And you're like, no, no, he wasn't. But this is the kind of insanity that's prevailing. Yeah, um, and almost
1: like weird amnesia, or like immediate,
0: yeah. <laughs> immediate amnesia post factum <laughs> Yeah, that's what Tyrone quoted. He said, "I like to quote Gore Vidal. We live in the United States of Amnesia, and we oh, do. Really? Oh, it's we, we. Everyone forgets everything as soon as it's happened." Yeah.
1: You know, can, can we briefly talk, because um, um, uh, I don't know if we openly said it. So mm. you interviewed the, the director of the um, the series Matt Turnauer, yeah. on the phone uh, for the Jacobin piece. And so I just want to briefly go into more like the, the, the movie making, not just Reagan's. Okay. So He's a fairly prominent documentary filmmaker. Right. Right. Uh, and is he, I, I, I don't know, like what's... Um, uh, did you watch you watch roy, his roy Kahn movie right i did i only looked at I some re- clips oh okay because i haven't i only watched his actual studio I, re- I didn't realize it was him i watched studio 54 uh-huh. documentary he made but generally where does he stand is he more <laughs> it's almost a silly question i guess not enough research mm-hmm. is he more kind of left liberal what's his kind of fascination i mean if i had it?
0: to guess i would say yes he i mean he said as much he was raised in a kind of democrat democratic family who were you know liberal democrats and so that's why he said it from the influence of my family even though i was only a kid when reagan was president i Mm -hmm. still had a sense that this was terrible for the country and it was probably from my family i think he's still roughly i'm guessing is still roughly there in that you know Mm -hmm. just judging from the impact of the film um what he seems to want as we kept talking about what impact he wanted. It seemed to me, if I were guessing, he really didn't want to say so. But I would say, yeah, he's after some middle ground of persuadable Republicans who hate Trump. So mm-hmm. what he calls the never Trump crowd, who still revere mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan, he would like to be able to persuade them. How can you even separate them? They're, they're the same practices um, underneath it all. And, and probably centrists, liberal Democrats who are inclined toward this kind of whitewashing process of recent Republican presidents that somehow they were better than Trump and Reagan was absolutely not better than Trump. So I think that's kind of where he is, but he's very committed. And again, I already mentioned this, but he's very, very committed to what I would call the mainstream documentary practices, the ultra conventional documentary practices. He really feels, I mean, he even, he even compares them to the invisible continuity style of classic Hollywood. That's that he what really,
1: he, papers, that right? he really
0: prefers to anything kind of, you know the the more overt stylistic and formal choices and personal, cho- you know, making very personal docs. He says, "Oh, that's just anathema. I hate that. I would never put myself in
1: it." I'm actually curious it. about that because you know we've sometimes debated <laughs> on the mm-hmm. podcast about like you know it doesn't matter you make a fictional movie, a documentary, mm-hmm. you're
0: in you're in it, you're in it anyway. Which he does admit. He says, "But I cut it. I chose it. I and I said yes. Anyone looking for you in it is going to have to study." The, the structure of the episodes, you know, what is the material <laughs> the you're including? The cuts. And, I, and as I said, that's the hardest thing to study unless you're very well trained. <laughs> Most people can't study editing because it's very, especially at the in, invisible, quote unquote, invisible style. You're not going to be able to pay attention to it. It's very hard to.
1: Well, and, the ideology is in there. You know, you can. Oh, I think yeah, it's clear. I yeah, I mean, Obviously,
0: you can tell he's hypercritical of Reagan. You can tell he wants to encircle the account of Reagan with Reagan's self-mythologizing actor persona you know you there's things you can you can tell from but from- in
1: terms of the formal his mm-hmm. formal kind of ideas about the, uh, how to make documentaries I'm, I'm interested to, you say something that he is really um sort of against and thinks her, her ranking documentaries is an a- anathema so you mean like something like not personal, but like the way Errol Morris can narrate his films or like is in the interviews with the, with the subject, do you mean that? I, I'm just trying to understand. No, actually, exactly. and I should
0: clarify. I mean, for, he said for him personally, it would be anathema to include himself either in voice or face like Michael Morris literally – but he says he says of the haranguing style. He said like Oliver Stone has made documentaries that he said that I would say are in the haranguing style, and they and they suit him. They have their absolutely have their place. He just says he personally can't work that way. Doesn't want to work that way. Hate would hate it for himself. Is how uh-huh. he puts it. So of course it. You know, on the other hand, it makes him a perfect mainstream documentary filmmaker. You can see why sure. Showtime <laughs> commissions this and goes to him and says, we want you to do this because that's, the, that's still the most typical form of the documentary that you're going to see on television, even though there's been so mm-hmm. many, you know, radical departures in even in very popular documentaries that still for especially for television, that's still the main type of if you go to PBS, that's the kind of documentary you're going to see.
1: Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I'm just curious about the form and <laughs> so mm-hmm. on your case because you talked to him because I'm, I'm a bit confused, you know. Uh, we're living, I don't know, what is it, 2020? I don't even know what it is. Post-modernity, post-post-modernity. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of this type of style, which sort of, um, as if obviously he's in it, the cuts and everything, but sort of assumes this kind of n- neutrality, right? I, I wonder, it- it's sort of both almost too I mean passe but then at the same time I guess it's almost going back to at this point the more personal stuff is, is also passe I'm just I it's confusing to me in terms of how you do or you supposedly do this um critical or some kind of more cutting edge or more interesting thematically things but in this form and what the hell does it mean when you assume such a – I don't know if the right word would be conservative form, right? An old form to – I mean I, are-
0: I, I don't want to put a bunch of language into his mouth that he didn't say. But I, certainly for me, that was one of the things that I thought as I watched it is I'm not – sure. I even asked him when he said I wanted to – I wanted the audience to draw the connect. I never say like, and here's, here's a shot of Reagan and here's a shot of Trump. I never went into literal. I wanted them to connect the dots. And I said, well, why don't you connect the dots? I don't understand. If that's your main point- <laughs> Why not do some dot connecting? And he just said, <laughs> he just right. said no, But and again he went back to cause the style I really love. And again, he cited those those what were what we now consider old-fashioned. I would anyway, documentaries yeah. from CBS television of the 60s to the 80s, or the invisible invisibility kind of continuity style of Holly of classic Hollywood movies. I'm the same way. I'm kind of questioning like the return to that in a way as if that could be a neutral stance. I mean, he also, though, will admit, of course, it's me. I cut, I cut it together. I chose which shots as opposed to which other shots. He just has a dedication to it I can't speak to. And I don't know, I'm guessing, but I would suggest – He probably isn't very much into the whole Pomo thing. You couldn't be Mm -hmm. or you wouldn't be presenting as, look, you are you must face that the fantasy world that that Ronald Reagan realized in his own life and that was then deemed politically expedient and he lived out politically and that was hugely consequential. That's not reality. Well, that's not Pomo talking (laughs) that that sharp distinction between the real that you can that know and access in fantasy, that's not a pomo stance. So my sense is I don't think he takes a pomo stance toward this. That's just from what I'm looking at. I didn't ask him, but I don't think so.
1: Yeah, it feels that way. It's almost he, like, uh, not denies, but <laughs> he doesn't want to look at that part of
0: <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, I, I think he would just say, no, it yeah, I think he would just probably say not that it's the danger is manifest. There is a reality. Things happen in the world. People get hurt. Yeah, I know, <laughs> Terrible yeah. things happen because real things happen, I, I think. And and it was dangerous to buy into this Reagan fantasy that was a com- obviously a combination of him and other powerful people who decided it mm-hmm. was expedient. Um, that had horrible consequences. So it would be dumb to be pomo about it, right? But but I think you're right in that, yeah, my first reaction to it when I was first watching it without having talked to him yet, I saw it before I talked to him, I was, uh, what an old-fashioned documentary. Yeah. (laughs) And and being, and thinking, are people really going to, I mean, I wasn't sure if if people were going to have that reaction of, isn't this kind of old hat?
1: Unless it's self-aware, you know, because I was, Mm -hmm. again, only one episode in, I was like, or he's doing something subversive, employing this sort of, um, I don't know, you can even call it genre in a way. And mm-hmm. then they're going to be some crack in it, <laughs> some sort of, um, I don't know, not like um, Adam Curtis or anything, but you know, they're going to be some weird <laughs> mm-hmm. thing anyway. But I guess not now, talking to you.
0: I mean, my sense was no. My sense was it, it okay. stays pretty. Yeah, pretty consistent.
1: In, in terms of, again, the, uh, he wants uh, the audience to draw the dots and conclusions mm-hmm. and not really hit us you know, on the head with this whole Trump-Reagan mm-hmm. analogy. But in the end, like one of the things, I don't know, at least it feels like living through Trump, that I definitely lived through it. It's very postmodern environment, and Trump is very comfortable in it, and we live through it. It's, it's actually, I don't know, the sort of more old school and kind of conservative ways of addressing our reality through telling historical narrative of Reagan, mm-hmm. it feels, I guess, almost like not fully capturing the, mm-hmm. this, this sort of moment or forcing people into accepting the analogy, right? Because mm-hmm. it feels like so much more insane what's what's around like the media escape right now right. and the way it yeah. operates.
0: Right. And, and I think what you're pinpointing is something that he isn't. He, he claimed to complain to me that there are at least some of the early reviews he had read. He was shocked, A, that they're not getting the main point, which is that mm-hmm. you can draw a straight line from Reagan to Trump. And B, that there was a lot of. But everyone knows this. We've seen this all before. This is so this is old fashioned. And this is, again, old hat. In other words, it's all such familiar mm-hmm. material for people who have followed politics and know about Reagan and. You know, and he he's irritated by this, but of course, for me, I don't, I didn't say this. Maybe I should have. That's was exactly the risk he ran. <laughs> if if you want to be kind of recessive in that way, that people are going to therefore draw their own conclusion, you're you're asking for it by not taking a bolder formal stance. You know, and, and, and connecting your own dots and doing a lot of other overt things. Mm-hmm. That's the risk you take that someone at a superficial level is especially recognizing the form it's taking, which is a very old fashioned style of documentary filmmaking. They're just they're just kind of nodding out through the parts that you care about. I mean, like, here's a good example. He said, what's infuriating – Matt Terenauer said to me, what's, what's especially funny about people saying we've seen this all before is it's designed. he designed it so everything you're seeing is probably not what you've seen before. So mm-hmm. he literally relied on rarely seen or never seen footage. So he's like, there's one whole documentary in episode two about the governorship that was made that showed once, and, and Nancy Reagan found it especially so unflattering to her that she asked to have it destroyed, and he got his hands on it <laughs> and uses copious amounts of it. It is pretty hilarious. She's, it's, it's her being interviewed about the governor's mansion and just carrying on obsessively about how this mansion <laughs> is not good fit to live in. And she winds up – she winds up basically forcing the state of California to build them essentially to, to get them another expensive housing situation because she just – especially it's downtown. It's in the city. You know, it's, it's – regular people are walking by all the time. I mean she's just like – she's so appalling. So anyway, so he uses – not only never seen stuff or almost never seen stuff, even when it's it's say from a from – a, from a press conference that you would have felt like you've seen. He said he would even go to the trouble of finding the B camera role, the one that wasn't used for most of, you know, te- the, you know what you saw on television, say. So he, in other words, he was always trying to get another angle, a different angle on the Reagans. Well, mm-hmm. what's the problem with that? If no one's recognizing it, <laughs> no one can tell this is new and nothing. There's no subtitle. There's no nothing to tell you. This footage has only been seen once in the year 1966. And never again. New information. Yeah, no one is... Exactly. So how are you supposed to know it's the B camera angle? You're just... All you're thinking is... And another problem. Any angle from which you look at the Reagans, don't you see the same thing? They had completely invested themselves and involved themselves in these weirdly hologram-like roles they were playing. I mean, Reagan got shot and literally got shot and stayed in character. He did that whole honey I forgot to duck, which is borrowed from a line from one of his movies. He'd been shot and he still stayed in character. That's incredible. I mean, that added to his myth of just like this guy, people thinking he was so authentic. And you're like, no, he, he just can stay, he's now, he's now wedded with the character he designed for himself. It's so it's so amazing, but at the same time, you always see it any which way. There's a couple of a couple of scenes and shots of Reagan when he's clearly angry. And they're, they they seem interesting because you almost never saw him, especially the California governor stuff. He really hated those student protesters. You, you could tell he just wanted them all dead. And he looks angry. And he, and he really does a lot less of this once he's president because he, I think he realizes it's not, it doesn't look like the role of the smiling, affable, wisecracking mm-hmm. hero that he's always playing. So that's also part of the problem is the, a feeling of over familiarity with the Reagans is because For one thing, everything about them was filmed, it seemed like, practically, and they always are the same, almost.
1: But you know what's interesting? Because, again, yeah, there are no warnings What that some footage is new, even Mm. if it's like like a different angle, which is super fascinating, for sure.
0: It helps to know. It made it more interesting for me once I knew that. But, of course, I had to be told.
1: (laughs) Coming completely fresh and being fascinated by everything and uh, Mm. not knowing anything and having seen almost all of it for the first time. And Mm -hmm. then it works, too. Almost like a bit for me. But, um, for instance, remember the scene? um, I mean, it's not too long, but it's in the first opposite it was interesting it reminded me a bit of dave movie we recently talked about right <laughs> about the ascendance of um uh, owner uh, of a temp agency into presidency because he mm-hmm. looked like the president anyway but so they showed i wonder if that's one of those b-rolls that showed almost for the first time or very rarely mm-hmm. how um reagan was getting prepped to run um as a governor as a mm-hmm. for the to to be elected as a governor. And uh, uh, he had a big staff of advisors. Mm -hmm. They were preparing the cue card for him in the exact size he's used to as an actor. Mm -hmm. Right. And arranging them into this little... And they they show, there's all this documentary footage into this little black books for Mm -hmm. him to sort of study in them. Yes. I forgot who they show exactly. I mean, it's from like back in the day, Uh, but how fascinated uh, the campaign advisors, like his staff is with his both memory and delivery and how Mm -hmm. quickly he grasps it. But at the same time, it is, it's really, I, I mean, it is like Dave, they, they basically, he knows pretty much, they admit kind of nothing about California politics, right? And uh, everything he knows is just what they put in those cue cards into the little black books mm-hmm. for him to study about the issues, what he's debating on. And this is—I mean, I can't believe it. I bet that footage is pretty new. No way anyone could see that because it's pretty. Um, I imagine it's pretty damning. It
0: is kind of, but it's also, I guess, especially if you bought—if you bought Reagan. As as not a, as not acting his way through the role, but I mean, you know, we've been through the kind of teleprompter wars of how helpless some politicians are without a teleprompter. You know, Biden I, I think sure. <laughs> that, well, that's what's tricky though is yeah. is is not knowing. Depending on who you are and how sophisticated you 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 are or think you are about politics, this either seems fresh or it seems like well, yeah. <laughs> and you know, the thing about Reagan is that's tricky is in the in his run up before he becomes California governor he is president of the screen actors guild so it's not like he doesn't have political motivations he has heinous heinous political activities before he becomes governor for and example it, and that's another
1: weird thing how could he be the the head of the like the guild but being super anti-union that's so on the surface hypo- isn't hypocritical. is it hilarious
0: because later on, when he when he's accused of trying to break unions, he'd say things like, I, "I'm probably the only union president who ever became a, the president of the United States," calling on his screen actors guild union presidency. But yes, he was so anti anti labor, so awful, and he was. He was not only a friendly witness for the House Un-American Activities Committee Mm -hmm. seeking to root out communists from Hollywood, but he he was a secret informant for the FBI. He was turning his colleagues in (laughs) while he was president of the Screen Actors Guild. He was secretly informing on them. You know, this didn't just bust up careers. This ruined lives. And he was actively part of it. That was part of his right. You know, his, his turn to the right doesn't all happen with like Goldwater in the 60s. It's already happening in middle. He starts off, you know, a, a kind of loose FDR Democrat. And, you know, there's a there's some shots of Robert Shear, who's a kind of left wing pundit, you know, reporter, pundit figure who was allowed to 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 trail around with Reagan um, during a, a presidential campaigning. And he tried and tried to get Reagan to say one positive thing about FDR's New Deal. And he couldn't get him to do it. And, and Shear was shaming him, saying, you you know perfectly well. We know that your, your family directly benefited. You survived the Depression because of FDR's policies and what Reagan's answer is. But think how much better the private sector could have done all that. And your mind is just reeling. That's so meaningless. You're like, how could the private sector have done huge public programs <laughs> to help, to help you know the working class. How could that's that's literally a country that means nothing. That's such an insane thing to say. So so in other words, he was already getting politically active in kind of Holly as far as you could in Hollywood terms. In fact, that's part of the reason Jane Wyman his first wife divorced him. Is she couldn't stand his politics anymore. He never shut up about them, (laughs) and they were really divisive, and they were alienating their other actor friends. And plus, his his, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. and plus his acting career was was fading at the same time. She was becoming a much bigger star than him, and he was just getting to be dead weight. So she cut him loose.
1: The way and it was surprising the way they show and the Matt Turner shows in the first episode is almost that Reagan grew up and surrounded by you know his family was Democrat. among mm-hmm. Democrats, mm-hmm. and uh, what influenced his turn—I um, mean, in simple terms, sort of more to the right. To the right uh, yeah. There's nothing about his like this, uh, his own involvement and in some sort of divorce with the first wife, not covered at all. Mm-hmm. But it's if him kind of marrying into uh, Nancy Davis' uh, yes. family—that's what really that, cements that, it. Yeah, that's what cements it. But is that so? Because the way you're now retelling is it, actually with a weird narrative. What surprised, what surprised me about it again, knowing mm-hmm. little. Is that I'm like, wait a second. So they portraying uh, Nancy De- Nancy Davis Reagan as this very powerful force mm-hmm. that influencing his politics. And the most the biggest thing is almost like Nancy's father or, or mother, well, like father. So father, uh, Reagan's, yeah. Ronald Reagan's father-in-law mm-hmm. basically created Ronald Reagan's a monster. Uh, yes. politics, <laughs> yeah, a monster. Yeah. So I'm like, wait a second. Am I tracing it correctly? No, it, it is <laughs> a little tricky.
0: And they and they do mention Jane Wyman, but very very briefly. It's very sketchy. You could easily miss it. Yeah. It is. There's a number of steps, which I think are, are reflected in Hollywood politics where, you know, FDR support was was very huge, you know, and that it, through the war. But when you get to the end of the war and the Cold War starts, that you get this pivot on the part of you know like again I don't know what the numbers would be but say half of hollywood <laughs> to this right turn that we now fought the nazis you know under the leadership of FDR and now we're pivoting and we're we've got to fight the commies and so you've got lots of people who don't agree, who are still, you know, FDR FDR liberals or to the left, who are going what? And now all of a sudden they're the people being hunted. It was like they literally had movies, admiring movies about Russia, because Russia was our ally in World War II. But the day, almost the day, the war is over, and this this the the you know, the, the Iron Curtain slams down. There's a pivot to the right. Anyone who made. Those movies, those pro-Russia, our, our ally, our noble ally movies, got questioned about it. How could you have made a pro-Russia movie? What are you, a commie? <laughs> you, they had Jack Warner on the stand having to defend, I forget the name of the one that they made at Warner Brothers, going, well, if I'm guilty, every studio's guilty. We were all making pro-Russia movies. We were all making all pro-ally movies, pro-England, pro France, pro-whatever. It was part of it, but that's how ludicrous and how fast the turn was. That suddenly all that was so Reagan got swept right along with that right. right you're right. That's an early rightward turn that that isn't enough documented. Um, that he's already pivoting right before he meets Nancy. You know, but they do do the anecdote about Nancy Davis and someone who's same named as her is is getting communist materials. You know, sent her supposedly communistic materials sent to her, and they're coming to you know, Nancy, our Nancy Davis. And that's why she initially goes out with Ronald Reagan. She goes, because he's the president of the Screen Actors Guild, and supposedly she's using this as an excuse. She's attracted to him to say, what do I do about this? I'm getting all this red channels and Daily Worker and all of these. And and there's someone else named Nancy Davis, and I might be confused for that person. What can you do to help me? But then, yeah, it's presented as like the final stroke, is when he, he gets together with Nancy Reagan, who's a diehard uh, Nancy then Nessie Davis, who's a diehard Republican, but her father Loyal Davis is, and they describe her. She's described. He's described boldly as like a nutcase. He's so far right. He's racist. He's anti-Semitic. He's a wealthy neurosurgeon, and it's uh, it's sort of in that atmosphere that Reagan really goes hard hard right. It's through. Yeah, it's so through it the doesn't Davis sound
1: All that ludicrous to you because to me I'm like, wait, so your wife's <laughs> uh, yeah father.
0: The turn to the right was happening. It was happening right after the war in, in Hollywood, and he wasn't the only one. I think that's that's kind of why. That the earlier steps are, are missed as to how he finally wound up so far right from Mm -hmm. being an FDR Democrat, but he certainly wasn't the only person who made that pivot. So did Frank Sinatra, for example. Mm -hmm. A lot of people wound up going hard right who haven't been.
1: What about the Nazi character? Again, judging by the first episode, it's almost, they give her, like a lot of people interviewed, even um, like old... um, uh, campaign advisors. They say without Nancy, who would be nothing? He wouldn't like get elected anywhere. Is if he she's some kind of I don't know brain. He's pinky and she's brain. Well,
0: know? it's just he was so dependent on her, and she was his main. Like, they, at one point, they call her. Um, they use the mafia term. She was his consigliere. <laughs> so she was she was the ultimate. Um final consultant who really knew what was going on. And they also say, you know, he trusted people. She never trusted anybody. And she was very, you know, it's it's pretty, I mean, it's nothing that you wouldn't have known just from, from if you were there, because you remembered very vividly, she was very unpopular. I think she, she was, she was to date the most unpopular um, first lady that had ever been. Why, like something about <laughs> she the- was so tone deaf. Where he was not. He 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 seemed very able to like appeal to the public. She was terrible at it. And so she did a series of moves that were so good. You know, they start. They're in a still in a bad recession. She immediately says, "What a dump about the White House," and wants a super expensive remodeling, but only of the private rooms, only where they're going to live. So you see, Jackie O became even more popular by. Her renovation, her expensive renovation of the White House, but of the public rooms, claiming it's so important that they be historically accurate and we revere the history and blah blah blah. Nancy Reagan does exactly the opposite. And so that's the first strike. She winds up ordering China that's a thousand dollars a plate. A thousand dollars a plate. You know what I don't
1: get it, because she was an actress too, minor for sure. I thought like the, the basic, even a fake charm and sort of uh, would work.
0: And somehow it just, just didn't, which she acknowledged. She she acknowledged that she somehow wasn't – pop. that she tried to make it be very self-pitying. Somehow people just don't understand how wonderful I am. But, yes, yeah, somehow she maybe she just wasn't as, quote, unquote, good an actor. <laughs> uh, yeah. <I> <laughs> that all the cold, imperious, scary – you know, people were scared of her. You know, she, she wielded so much influence – and she hated so many people. And if anything w- happened to Ronald Reagan, there's a sequence where he, Ronald Reagan is supposed to be studying for this upcoming debate. Instead, he watches his own movie, Bedtime for Buds, <laughs> which starred, co-stars a chimpanzee. This is some, someone who is there <laughs> testing. This is what went wrong with the debate. He was terrible and he lost the debate because he wouldn't study. He was insisting on watching his own old movies. But Nancy Why? doesn't that- care. Oh yeah, because he's just an old idiot. And the, you know, I think it was—I think it was his second election. He's—they they get into how he's already declining mentally. Thinking into dementia um, while he's president, but at any rate, she for Na- for Nancy Reagan, it's never Ronald Reagan's fault; it's always his handlers. So mm. she just goes on the warpath, uh, like b- of blame and heads are going to roll, kind of thing. And you better get this right because um, you have failed. You have failed to 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 deliver, and the guy's like, it wasn't us; we couldn't make him study. <laughs> so it's one of the funnier anecdotes that comes out. But yeah, she had immense. Immense power, immense scary power um, and many, many feuds with with Reagan's top people and all that going on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's definitely a big difference from the Trump.
0: <laughs> from yeah, your- definitely. That is a big difference, yes. No, somebody says that he was a very affable man, a very friendly man, but he only had one friend, and that was Nancy, which is a very funny line. I forget who said it. It's good. So I don't know, unless you, you have something pressing to say. I do. I have one pressing thing. Okay. I asked, I asked Matt Turnauer, what did you leave out? That's always a good question, I think, to ask documentary filmmakers. They usually just have reams more. Material than they can ever fit into the final thing, and so it really shows what you're after what you care about what you're invested in in a way anyway or can what you didn't what you could have used and didn't and he and he described something that would have been so great and so fresh and so new it really broke my heart that he didn't do it but he said it would have taken another half hour and he just felt it he, he, he couldn't for the time it was about the relationship of Walt Disney to Ronald Reagan. And according to Terenauer, they were highly conscious of each other as people who represented the same values, the same attitudes, and to a certain extent... Kind of the same experience. They both were had miserable, impoverished childhoods during the Depression, with fathers who couldn't really support the families, or whether they were feckless or whether they were kind of quote failure father fathers. And so, the burden of getting along in the family fell to the kids, and they both hated their their childhood upbringing so badly that they invented like mythological fantasy worlds that they then lived in for the rest of their lives, all about being white (laughs) nuclear family, perfect, prosperous, happy. And the whole world is supposed to look like that. And so, so, you know, of course, they both come from movies. Walt Disney turns toward a mass media empire and, you know, str- attempts at social engineering through things like Disney World. And, of course, Reagan takes it into politics. So Reagan was chosen to be the, the main – the anchor MC for the opening of Disneyland. And Disneyland, of course, was was very much designed to be a park, (laughs) all all about rejecting the old school theme parks that had been too. And you know, when Disney designed his own, he went and looked at them and he hated them. Why? Too urban, too many points of access, too chaotic, too dirty. And and the clear implication was also too many like different types of people <laughs> are, are massing around in an uncontrolled way in that park and that ruins them, oh, wow. that makes them bad. He wants a park that's for essentially pretty white people in an ultra policed and controlled environment with only one entrance and exit. So it can be Papa Disney, all out surveillance and control. So Ronald Reagan, his argument would have been, is the perfect representation of this Fantasy of what America should be, and it would have been so nice to just see that because I hadn't even thought of of the connections between the two, of them, but there there are many, and that they both did the same self mythologizing. Let's all live in the same fantasy together. They're both ultra right wing. <laughs> You know, arguably anti-Semitic and racist, though there are people who debate that with Disney, um, you know, and with these kind of social control ideas, um, they hated unions, Disney famously you know, got into a huge war with his unionizing animators um, and he never got over it. He hated it so much. So anti-labor, there's so many areas that they were alike and it would have been really, that would have been a fresh angle. I don't think anyone's thought of the power of these two people who were peers and who recognized in each other the same basic worldview. Anyway, I think that would have been interesting and it's something people will obviously wouldn't have thought about and would might've been. And then it really gets into a kind of media, angle on the thing that gets i don't know it gets even more cemented that this is also a kind of syndrome right Re- reagan mm-hmm. isn't the only one who who kind of goes into the the 50s fantasy as better than life i'm just saying in terms of angles on reagan that no cuz you know again if you if you know anything about reagan you already know about i don't know that that nancy the scandal over nancy's reliance on an astrologer really determining dates and Things that happened,
1: you know, and there's a lot of that <laughs>
0: content. And I think it's the fourth episode. There's a, a lot of coverage on Joan Quigley, the astrologer, and how much she was daily consulting her, and using it, and using it, and and, and it, I mean, and advising Reagan on on you know how to use what the advice was. Um, so you know, if he, he, that's a that's a, a fun scandal, and I guess he, I guess Tierenauer really wants it there as a part of like this is how. Into a kind of fantastical reality of their own, they were. But I'd rather have had the Disney stuff myself. I, I kind of want to have bo- both. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't rem- if you didn't know about it, it's actually it's actually fun to know and yeah. interesting to know
1: okay i my only final thing is um mm. i um stumbled upon um you know m d b page obviously of the reagan's mm-hmm. the, the documentary series and uh, was immediately i i really i think i even laughed out loud alone <laughs> seeing uh first like the the review uh-huh. that pops up you can, you know there are user reviews i don't know if anyone Cares and looks at them, but sometimes they're kind of funny there. Like, I Uh I think there's some kind of collective psyche there. But one thing I wasn't sure, I never thought about like, who, like, if IMDb users have a certain, is there some kind of dynamic there? And this, um, I feel like, series really exposed uh, an average IMDb user. Uh, Collectively, IMDb users hate this show. And (laughs) it just, there were a few funny comments. I sent you one, but actually, there are more. For instance, No, I'm not a Republican. I'm a moderate who voted for Biden. But it's easy to see how this documentary set out to smear a great president's legacy. Shameful. One star. You know, it's like all one stars. <laughs> right. Then then another another review. Left is trying to destroy a man who understood working with both sides and getting things done <laughs> for this country. <laughs> Want to know Want to know who Ronald Reagan was and what he believed in? Then go back and watch his speeches and debates. (laughs) It defies the whole idea of this. And then tell me that he was a puppet. Showtime becoming more and more liberal. Time to call Xfinity and drop them. (laughs) (laughs) When not subscribe, basically. Okay, there's actually more. Then there's another one. How many more... Shows and series we would have to endure about portraying Ronald Reagan as a buffoon and Nancy as a bad person. So silly, five exclamation marks. I guess they would keep trying to make some money out of them as long as they can. Sad documentary, in in, in quotation marks. And, the, <laughs> and their son could start working in something else, too. Enough with the, with a constant pettiness. So trash the son, too. <laughs> And then there's the one, no, because they're like, they're pretty funny. I think all of them worth kind of hearing. It's almost funnier to uh, read them out loud. There's one. Uh, title smear propaganda watch the first episode and it's an obvious lopsided smear against a good president i'm not republican or democrat here documentaries should be fair and tell both sides <laughs> of the story this one clearly <laughs> has one agenda and tells one side sad <laughs> of course one side of the aisle will find this review not helpful but i'm just telling it how it is how it is <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> wait and then there's utter garbage, the title, complete propaganda, (laughs) smear after smear, three minutes in, and I would rather have a pot canal. What's a pot canal? I don't know know what a pot canal is. I don't know what that is. (laughs) But it actually keeps going. I didn't even read a few. And obviously, Uh... I guess there are a few good ones. (laughs) I I don't know what to say. So clearly, you were kind of right about saying that some people would even if they tune in for a few minutes, they just tune out.
0: Yeah. watched a few minutes or watched one episode. Yeah, that's what I would expect. But maybe some people are going to hate watch it. You never know. You maybe, never know. but
1: it's interesting when you, that you talk direct about the audience uh-huh. who, who's, who's, who's trying to reach because some, some people are clearly unreachable.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And again, it's not like he's doing that rhetorical move where you lead people along by being neutral for a long time and then revealing. He's, it's like right up front. What the, what the stance is going to be, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I guess, oh, that's a good point. I guess that's what confuses me. I couldn't articulate mm. it. On the one hand, uh, he's employing this PBS classical, <laughs> I don't know what you call it, sort of documentary approach. At the same time, he's not, like, actually kind of neutral leading on. People immediately hate it because they see, you know... Within a few minutes, this
0: tense. Yeah, well, well, when you start with the behind-the-scenes Reagan doing the speech that that is that is canned, that is constructed, mm-hmm. that is him doing the cue card thing. Yeah. You know, it announced you, you just from taking that angle, people can people can. It's not like he doesn't have spokespeople. Who are were on Reagan's team? He does, yeah. <laughs> you know. He's got the oil tycoon who first was one part of the roundtable that backed him, they, being copiously quoted. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like he doesn't have those people. Though it's inter- would be interesting to know what they think. Do they think they were shafted by by participating in this, and then they watch how it's been put together, which is where you can see the the author's hand, shall we say? Um, you've got Colin Powell in there saying. You know, our job was to protect him from himself or, or their, you know, his hand was job was to protect him from himself because he didn't really understand a lot of in-depth stuff about government, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, someone said I forgot who it also very close to the beginning, which probably mm. alienates a lot of Reagan lovers. Mm. So like we try to make sure he never goes off script. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. like if you try to do something neutral, this is not what you put in the first No, five this minutes. is not how you lead it <laughs> off. When you employ this sort of as if neutral kind of technique of TV documentary making of almost mm. of the past. But at the same time, it's very, I don't know if they like what the better word, like loaded. I mean, it's it,
0: very got, much got an angle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So
1: that's what I guess confusing overall. Like so.
0: But it does speak to what, what you know, Matt Tyrner didn't say that this was the overall strategy, but it seems like you could very much argue that is the strategy. At least it has the appearance of that what was supposed to be the neutrality, the ob- objectivity of, of the classical conventional documentary. And mm-hmm. of course, it doesn't have that. You can imagine what the what the one that appealed to Wright right-wing people would have how it would have led off what it what it would have been like it would have been all of this celebratory footage of I don't know his first inauguration you would have had people who loved him being quoted at length you would have you know it would have been all that great communicator stuff you would have you know there yeah. was there's so much other stuff you would have emphasized instead so it's it's kind of a double whammy you're right it's like it seems like it what comes with all the conventions of the documentary mm-hmm. are the kind of new the neutral stance that was supposedly so valid but it is isn't a neutral stance.
1: But then, on the, on the other hand, I'm like listening to myself saying, what the hell is a neutral stance anyway? What do we mean by neutral stance of, let's say, PBS back in the day? Well,
0: exactly. It's always been a farce. <laughs> it's always been a ridiculous notion, yeah. Yeah,
1: I guess it's like, it would be, I don't know, at this point it's so confusing. It would be like more moderate Republican or moderate Democrat. What's that neutrality <laughs> we in addressing?
0: Yeah, what's wonderful about the comments is that no one wants to, like, if they all stay general, the people who are saying smear, blah, blah. Well, mm-hmm. what are you going to do about like the actual kind of racist language used by like, for example, they have on tape Ronald Reagan's conversation with Richard Nixon. You know, when they've got Ron Jr. saying he never said racist, overt racist things at home. So I don't know if he technically was a racist. And I'm like, uh, and, but then they've got the tape of, of him talking to noted racist Richard Nixon and saying he was looking, I guess they were looking at a a delegation from some African country in the United States. And he says, just looking at those monkeys who are barely used to wearing shoes. And that's what he's saying to Nixon. That's Reagan. That's a direct quote. Notice how, how is that a smear? (laughs) You know, you're referring to things he actually did. You've got footage. You've got him on, you've got footage of practically everything. Um, Why, no one wants to get into the specifics of, but what about this? And what about this? So, yeah. And the neutral thing has always been ludicrous. Somebody, again, even if you have faced yourself, you're choosing the material, you're choosing the shots, you're cutting it together. Yeah. There's all the shaping that you're doing that, that mitigates against neutrality.
1: Yeah. Okay, anyway, but uh, I guess the, the final take I definitely mm. worth, worth, <laughs> worth watching.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's interesting enough. Yes. Uh, Even if you think, you know, it's going to hurt you if you think you remember the Reagan stuff, because it's just to have it all compiled there and have to relive it is hard. But there's details that you won't you won't know, especially in that episode number two about the the early political career of Reagan and his governorship. Mm-hmm. It's pretty it's pretty eye opening unless you you really have ex- or you were a Californian maybe and have excellent recall.
1: So- well, and that's coming out tomorrow, I think November 22nd. And I think that
0: one is the tomorrow one, yeah.
1: So yeah. we almost like uh, an ad, <laughs>
0: ad <campaign laughs> yeah, for no, episode we're number two. Ad- <laughs> that's right. <laughs> And my Jacobin review will be coming out too, in a in a couple it's in the editing process. So probably a few days. Okay. So.
1: okay. Well, I, I'll be quick. The, the, this app is coming out in a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Um, Oh, we should announce that we're t- that we should announce we're taking Thanksgiving off the Friday after oh, yeah. Thanksgiving. Oh, glad I remembered. Yes, um, we just need a break, <laughs> so we're gonna yeah. have take yes. So the Friday, what day is that? The twenty. I'm forgetting. Twenty seventh. Um, we won't be doing a podcast, but we'll be back again on December fourth. And what do you mm-hmm. want to do? Do you want to do Queen's Gambit, which everyone is talking about? I've had seventy five people recommend <laughs> recommend it. Yes, let's do that.
1: It's a it's not like the perfect show. It's a bit cheesy, but yeah. There's like an interesting material there. And one of the advertising even for you before you're watching it. To me, the main character, especially there's like, um, for a while, there's a a really young girl, like something like 9, 10. Mm -hmm. And this is so... Wednesday Adams as oh, an wow. orphan chess player.
0: Now I know I need to watch it because again, so many people are nagging me that I have to watch it. So now you've really given me a good reason to yeah, watch it. Yeah, but the Wednesday Excellent. Adams. The Wednesday <laughs> Adams, exactly. The now I'm now I'm hooked.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now I it too. Yeah. So let's do that. And and we uh, did plan and we'll do it to just give us more a bit more time. To-
0: yeah. The hidden gem. Yeah. Thank you for all of you who who, by the way, have recommended films. We've compiled an immense list and out of, obviously we can't watch them all but we'll we will so either that the following week or the week after that we'll do the hidden gems episode and we're going to watch a bunch of them and and we'll post also post the list, which is very excellent to have um, yeah yeah um so, so for thank anyone. you for... by the
1: way a very covid friendly list right it's
0: yeah, <laughs> <real>. exactly <laughs> we're all home watching stuff so it's time to time to watch those films you always thought you should
1: yeah no no you've never heard of yes and you a think, lot of them oh, well, never that's heard just <laughs> that might be this this is the one actually and no one will tell you only, only only from us yeah right and the, the, final, the final announcement it seems mm. like it's happening and uh i don't <laughs> i don't know so it looks like um i did share i think on the podcast this whole mm-hmm. eviction crisis I mean oh, yes. are going through and it looks like it's expedited actually unexpectedly because it looks like it should go almost into the spring and there's a problem with the courts but no so it looks like we're going into the court uh wow. on, Wednesday, on Wednesday like the oh. day before Thanksgiving anyway and wow. uh, I don't know if we'll immediately know do we lose do we uh, win but anyway so I don't know pray for us yes. <laughs> it looks <like> oh, my <laughs> we might become uh, officially not immediately we'll kick us out if we lose obviously there's some time to move in. But like yeah, on Thanksgiving I might know.
0: <laughs> oh my like god! Oh no! It, I mean,
1: I kind of like to know early. I don't mind. Yeah. but it's like, like, what the hell? They didn't what even want to postpone
0: after <laughs> Thanksgiving,
1: like you know, like in a week or like. Yeah, that's Sunday. very
0: unusual. Usually, you're safe bet anywhere near the holidays. You're safe like signing up for jury duty because they almost always cancel. <laughs> In fact,
1: I, I won't even be surprised. I'm, you know, I'm not really a rose anymore, but like, whatever, the legal system, if we do lose, let's say on 25th, will we be officially kicked out by Christmas? It's almost like oh Charles Dickens thing. It really is. <laughs> wow. know? I'm, like, oh, I'm oh. dragging my one floor lamp. <laughs> <That's right>. oh. <laughs> anyway, that, but that's like, well, that's later. I think uh, next time we're on, I probably would know something.
0: Yes, you'll probably know. Who? All right, we'll start with that announcement. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's anyway. I'm I'm taking it pretty lightly. It's kind yes, of yes, you
0: are. <laughs> you might win.
1: Let's hold the wait, courage. Wait, 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 we on. have a good like whatever a tenants' right attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, but
0: yeah,
1: well, so I'll I'll share more <laughs> yes, about please. that next time. <laughs> Talk to you in the after Thanksgiving, yes, early
0: December. We'll be okay. back. Bye. Bye. Happy holidays.